on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticken News. This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Hi, I'm Chris Judd and this is Talk Your Book and today we're very lucky to be joined by resources guru John Forward from Lal Resources Fund. John, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back on, Chris. Great to be here. You appreciate being labelled a guru. It was a bit of a... <laughs> it's better than being a veteran, I think. <laughs> um, mate, thanks for coming back on. You are an expert in resources. What stock did you want to talk about today? Uh, it's a little company based in Western Australia called Lefroy Exploration, L-E-X. And how long have you been uh, involved or on the register of Lefroy for? We've been on the register for, for uh, over four or five years. We, we came in on the IPO. And recently look like they've made what's potentially a transformational acquisition. How are you viewing that, that recent, um, well, it's, it's sort of a purchase, but sort of not in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, it's a really interesting transaction, yeah. if you like. Um, basically, they've got the rights to this new project for 30 years, which is more than enough, you know, if, if uh, it's there to be mined, to, to mine it and maximise it. So um, what they've done is buy a new new resources, both gold and nickel, on the same, on the same project. And um, it's right next to their existing project just south of Kalgoorlie in Western Australia where they've been working up uh, some pretty interesting exploration targets for a number of years. But this is, you know, it is sort of transformational, um, gets them into a new commodity and um, gets leapfrogs them into um, near-term production, basically. And the transaction was made from Franco Nevada, which is just one of the world's great companies. Uh, for nil purchase price, obviously Franco being a royalties company, their mm. motivations were more around uh, potential royalties rather than maximising uh, a sale price. Maybe talk us through how you're viewing that transaction um, and whether or not Franco Nevada are a good company to buy off or, or a poor one. Yeah. Look, I think, the, I think Lefroy and the management there are still sort of scratching themselves that they can't believe that they actually did this deal. And it was sort of opportunistic. They obviously monitor what's going on in the uh, expiration licenses and tenements around them. But this is a really interesting piece of ground in terms of the actual mining title that it's based on. So it goes back to 1882, I think, uh, and the Land Act in Western Australia, which was before Kalgoorlie and the Golden Mile and any, any minerals have been discovered out there. And the WA um, government, well, as it then was, the colony, was trying to promote people to get out and develop the interior. And so um, they put this land up for sale, including the mineral rights. So it's privately, it's freehold land and also includes mineral rights. So Franco Nevada actually run cattle just just because it's it's a pastoral property and I think they're obliged under the lease to actually do something with it so that you know the biggest royalty company in the world is running a few <laughs> few few cows out there anyway um, Lefroy went to, you know noticed they sort of said oh well there's no drilling on this block here why is there no drilling um, and they noticed and oh, who, who owns this oh well it's not even covered under the normal you know uh, cadastra mining title in Western Australia, worked out it was Franco Nevada. They went to Franco and said, oh, what's happening with this ground? And they said, well, actually, it's 
we're not doing anything with it. We're a royalty company. We're not going to explore mm. it. And the former company who had it has just relinquished their rights, and that was Northern Star, okay. one of the biggest gold mining companies in Australia. Um, and what had happened, Northern Star or, or their predecessors had actually uh, held this, the rights to this ground for, I think, 20 years, two lots of 10 years for a 1% royalty. And Franco had said, that's too cheap. Next time we renew this, we're going to bump it up to 4%. Okay. And Northern Star went, oh, we've got other fish to fry. Um, we haven't been able to do anything, get around to doing anything on this project. We'll just let it, let it go back to you. And so, you know, serendipitously, Northern Star walked into the door. Um, the guy who runs Franco's operations in Australia had a pile of, you know, deals on his desk this big, and this was like, you know, one of the smaller ones. And he said, well, we want a 4% royalty and um, you can have it. And the Lafroy guys were going, and how much cash do they want? How many shares are they going to take? They kept on waiting for them mm. to ask for something more, and they didn't. So there's no upfront consideration. Um, there's, I think there's modest uh, work requirement in terms of expenditure on the ground, and Lafroy are going to hit Which it pretty hard. Which they'd want to do anyway, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Um, and then there's a 4% royalty. So to put that into context, so it's not under, it doesn't fall under the Mining Act in Western Australia, as I mentioned. If it did, there'd be a 2.5% royalty to the mm. state government. So 4%, you know, a lot of projects would have a 2.5% to the government and, you know, 1% or 2% to a, you know, maybe a private mm. guy who's sort of dealt it in the past. So 4% is pretty much what you'd see on most, most projects anyway. So they've sort of, and they've paid nothing upfront for it. So yeah, look, really interesting deal. And, um, uh, you know, I think they might've, uh, you know, they're a bit like the cat that got the cream, I think the, the management there. And there's obviously a lot of work to be done on the ground before it gets a, a final investment decision. Mm. But in terms of it, it, its potential, it, it does have the potential to be a low capex project with, with nearby processing. Are they some of the things that, that appeal to you in the, the transaction when you saw it? Absolutely. And I think that's a, a theme that we've seen come through of late you know, we were talking earlier about cost escalation mm. um, and we've seen a lot of projects from, you know, junior companies that have sort of moved through development and get really hit by, you know, cost blowouts. And so the market is very wary of, of seeing, and not capital costs and operating costs, obviously. The market's very wary of little companies that have, you know, big, big ambitions in terms of raising hundreds of millions of dollars of capital. So that's why we like this is that um, both on the gold project and the nickel, nickel project, there's potential for low capex. And when I'm talking about low capex, Lafroy have got a market cap of sort of 30 odd million bucks. Um, and the capex, you know, if you look at comparable projects, might be in the order of 20 million for the nickel, and it might be significantly less for, for the gold. And in terms of their pre-existing nickel assets, which looks like they're going to do a planned IPO spin mm. out of, they've, they've mentioned maybe this calendar year, but that may slip through to next year. How are you viewing those assets standalone basis? Look, yeah, th this, this new acquisition will be um, the flagship for the nickel, nickel, which is going to be called Hampton Metals, I understand. 100% owned subsidiary at the moment. Um, the, the, other, the other assets in Hampton Metals are pretty grassroots early stage, exciting, but um, they need a lot of work to get them towards a resource. Whereas um, the Goodyear Nickel Project, which is part of this acquisition we've been talking about, has an existing existing resource on it, which is about um, 15,000 tonnes of contained nickel, but at a fantastic grade of 3.8%. So it's classic Cambalda style, high grade nickel um, that, you know, the other thing I probably should mention about the acquisition, understand that 
Nickel West, which is BHP, and they own the processing, you know, the, the refining infrastructure in, in, in Cambodia, which is only, you know, literally, I don't know, like within 30 k's away, very, very easy to truck, truck uh, ore or concentrate there. Um, they were interested in this asset and uh, on for the nickel and also a little company, um, London Metals, which right. has um, a pretty similar project. So just to put the 15,000 tonnes that contain nickel into context, London Metals have got a reserve on their Baker project, which is on the Cambalda Dome, not very far away, of uh, around, um, around the same, same number of tonnes, 15,000 tonnes of nickel at I think around 2.8% grade. So while the uh, Lafroy asset is a resource, and inferred resource at that side so is probably the, almost the lowest category, um, long way to go to get it into reserve. But you're starting to see they're not they're not a million miles from something that you know has got a positive positive economic study on it. You're watching Talkie Book. We'll be back with more Talkie Book after this short break. TV, online, and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stopping as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. This is Talk Your Book, and we're with John Ford from the Lau Resources Fund. John, just getting back into it, you mentioned their market cap of around that, that 33 million, you said. Just maybe talk about uh, their cash balance and how long a runway you can see that, that giving them. Yeah, look, they've just uh, gone out to the market and done, done a raising, and it was, um, I think they went out for about three and a half million and they ended up getting a bit over six, 6.2, I think. So we took up our, we, well, we, we subscribe pro rata for our existing existing holdings to make sure we not not didn't get diluted um so yeah look that will um notionally be allocated sort of 50 50 50 percent three odd million to uh, the nickel project and three odd million to to the gold project and that should give them you know probably 18 month 18 month runway it won't obviously get them into production but it could get them pretty close to a, a final investment decision and what sort of a outside of the final investment decision, what sort of milestones can you see them potentially hitting in that 18-month period that could lead to a re-rate? Yeah, look, I think um, both on the gold and the, and the, and the nickel, um, to, addressing the nickel first, there's some obvious targets to expand the resource. In fact, the highest grade historic drill hole was the deepest hole at about 400 odd metres. Uh, and that went, uh, I think that went around 7% nickel. So just an aside, that's a fantastic indication because you talk about tenor when you talk about nickel and, and some nickel deposits will never get you know into the high grade zones but this has obviously got the potential to be you know some have have, have really high grade um, so we should get um, within that within that funding time frame a expanded resource who knows how big it'll be it, you know it'd be really nice if they could double the current 15,000 tons of contained definitely got some targets that could um, could give you the potential for that and then on the gold well that's actually more advanced so the mount martin gold mine um, 
is an old pit that was last mined in 2008 by a company called Dioro. Uh, and then in 2012, there's a, a company called Alassa, which uh, actually had a mining plan and was, um, you know, read to, read to go into production. I think, you know, other corporate things happened. They had a project over in Turkey and, and they didn't go into production, but um, it's actually reasonably ready to be revamped and go relatively quickly to a to a production decision. So um, they'll drill they'll drill that as well to upgrade the resources. Uh, historically, I think it produced about two hundred thousand ounces from underground, you know, in, by the old timers, mm -hmm. and maybe a hundred odd thousand ounces from from an open pit. But what alas, we're going to do is just cut back and go a bit deeper. And these these gold um, mineralisation zones just seem to keep going and they're open at depth. So look, the gold could be um, in production. And when I say in production, the interesting thing about Lafroy is that one of their substantial shareholders is Goldfields, Goldfields International, South African company, but their main operation in Australia is at St Ives, which is, yeah, only, it's down, it's on the Lake Lafroy, it's probably 20 or 30 k's away. Um, Mount Martin's grade, um, resource grade, it's about half a million ounces at 1.7, uh, 1.8 grams a tonne. That's easily truckable, you know, that, that distance to um, St Ives. So there's, in fact, there's a mining agreement in place between the two companies covering some existing deposits that Lefroy had. So it's, Lefroy may be able to just say, okay, well, let's just change the names on this mining agreement and um, you guys can, we can truck the ore to your mill. And as I understand it, I mean, Goldfield's a big company, but um, from what you can see from the outside, that mill does need um, baseload, open cut, gold ore feed. Um, and yeah, that's something that Mount Martin can potentially supply. Well, as always, John, very compelling story and, and well, uh, well thought out and explained. Thanks very much for coming back on Talkie Book. Absolute pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate.